All right, Josh with Free Water. We're in Austin, Texas today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we got an exciting day tomorrow. You're going on the Now You Know show with Zach Cataldo and Jesse. Mm-hmm. Also Cataldo. I guess so. We did just say their father and son. <laughs> yeah, we we're, we're, were talking about a little preamble. We saw the city today, and um, we're here because your company Free Water is based here. Yeah. Um, we are the world's first free beverage company and our water is free because the packaging is the ad space we do paper cartons and aluminum bottles it works because the price of advertising has outpaced consumables such as groceries and so, so almost more than free water free liquids you're the first negatively priced company yeah it's a mouthful but the most unique factor about our company is these are negatively priced consumer goods to the consumer because it's free and we also donate to charity and we still make money so today this is 110, 115% off, but as we build out our future infrastructure of free vending machines, um, distribution points, and micro factories, it will get as low as negative 150% off, but still extremely that profitable. Like, like put into like regular person terms, this is brand new to think about. What does 150% off mean? Free plus 50% so additional they donate to 50%? the consumer and to charity. Yeah. And so ultimately we'll, We'll pay, we pay you to eat free food. Cool. Today, we pay you with a charitable donation. In the future, it will also include direct payment. Um, and that works for ads for at least water. Um, and like, okay, if I were to go into a one day, because you have free taxis, so many free ideas. Uh, I go into a restaurant and they pay me, but is there advertising on my plates? How would this, how would this all come together? Okay, so um, there's about tw- I've created about 20 different ways to make all these things free. And um, we're today we use the most condensed and simplest versions of that. And so the first category of free we call BVRE, below the value of the real estate, which means you transform a product's packaging into ad space or some form of real estate. It covers the cost of the manufacturing, distribution, our donation to charity, the salesperson's commission, and our profit. And that uh, we call BVRE, below the value of real estate, and that works for water, soda, beer, cannabis, fruits, vegetables. Uh, toiletries, household cleaning items such Pause. as Windex. Vegetables? Like, so the little sticker on there? Or, I mean, uh, so uh, there, there's so many ways to there's do so it. There's so many. So, I mean, and this, so, um, yeah. And then, uh, but it isn't just cheapy items or like low, because it also works for almost every type of public transportation and some private. So, let's say if you were an Uber driver here in Austin, you did this full time, you wrapped your vehicle in ads and just charge exactly what the taxi company would. That would fetch you 2K a month. For most people, that would cover the cost of their vehicle, their insurance, a lot of their fuel, maybe some of their time. Then we have another type of free platform that we haven't launched yet called AVRE, above the value of the real estate. And that's for things where if you put ads on it, you couldn't make it free, it would just subsidize it. Or more importantly, uh, a MacBook Pro computer, uh, my watch, your trip to Hawaii, um, your T-Mobile phone bill. Uh, maybe you just want 20 bucks in your pocket. And so that will be a YouTube and TikTok competitor. And YouTube and TikTok currently charge 40 cents a minute to advertise. We will charge the same exact thing, but pay our audience 37 of those cents, meaning the average American will now get paid $21 an hour to watch ads and train our AI. And so $21 an hour, you're like, hey, uh, I need a new iPhone, it's a grand. You say, okay, X number of hours in my free time. Bam, and so at full realization, imagine like a Visa gift card, or you like Apple Pay, so Apple Pay-like system, and let's say you participated and you had $2,000 there. So you would swipe it on Amazon, you'd swipe it at the Apple store, swipe it at Trader Joe's, uh, you get to zero, recharge it with your time. Everywhere where you spend it, we own that data, which then aggravates more basis points to pay you more and more money. And so if you make a lot of money, it's probably not for you if you make 100 bucks an hour, but a lot of Americans only make $15 an hour or less. And I think that'll be a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, it's pretty appealing to them. I'll have that you aim the microphone a little bit more at you here. Um, and I guess my, my takeaway from that is what do you think of kind of playing into the attention economy and almost like making it, like, I mean, we doing social media and making ads and stuff are like, Jesus, are we just trying to suck as much people's time as we can? I mean, what do you think of turning people's time and attention into money? So as we discussed yesterday, I hate advertising and I hate data. Um, And this is just the first step to normalizing free groceries with no ads in the future, which can also be profitable. I guess we could discuss that later. But um, my mom had two or three master's degrees before she died and she was disabled and she could not find a job for $2 an hour if she tried. She couldn't work at Costco and be the free sample 
person because she couldn't physically do it. She couldn't work at Walmart. She would have watched ads for $1 an hour if that was an option, let alone 20 plus. And so it will allow a lot of people to get back to work. Um, but it'll also give a lot of people a new sense of freedom. And so at full realization, when we are the free Amazon and you're getting your laptop free, all of your groceries free, your Uber free, full suite across the average American family is going to save up to 30K a year. And so a lot of people might do things differently if their life was $30,000 less expensive. Maybe you take a career you like better. Yeah. And you say less expensive and you say free, but once you kind of put in this term, and this isn't to like, uh, you know, try to poke holes or anything, but it brings me to an interesting place of like, but that's a lot of time that would take to accrue to buy a MacBook or something from watching it. You know, like the good thing is for the advertisers, they know that people have money because they're getting paid to watch your ad. Well, again, a lot of people don't make 21 bucks an hour. And so um, it won't be for everybody. But it brings up an interesting question. I, I know you guys are a big fan of like automation tech. What are we going to do when self-driving cars and robots have taken all the jobs? We live in the United States. I do not see the U.S. government giving anybody universal basic income. So free products that donate to charity or free products that pay you to consume them will probably be very important. You've heard that whole anti-automation taking all jobs away thing. I think Naval says it. Um, who I'm a big fan of, but he's like, you know, there isn't the same number of jobs that we've been divvying up forever. Like the cavemen's were like, oh, as soon as we figured out uh, uh, irrigation, it's not like, oh, those people can't carry water. They're out of a job. It's like we just kind of keep automating away common like things where people don't get to be creative. It's like it's a good thing to automate more and more of society away. It's not necessarily an issue. Honestly, having a way for people to get make money just by watching stuff seems very utopian. How like. Do you have any sort of time span when this can become real? Because you're getting ready to raise money, IPO. So, yeah. Um, so the cool thing is what bridges the gap between the BVRE, um, these sort of products, and the AVRE are our first line of future free vending machines. So free vending machine version 1.0, you'll download the free water app and you'll watch three ads um, like YouTube. Maybe you watch it, maybe you don't, just like YouTube. And you get a digital token and then you will just shop at the vending machine like Apple Pay. Boop and out comes your free snack or beverage. Wow. And so watching those ads to get that digital asset, that actually is the main way how you make everything else free. Will it be like the iPhone tracks if you are actually looking at the screen or not, or does not care? You could do anything, but like first version, bare bones, it's not gonna have anything cool like that. Cool. That was one of those, uh a band on Spotify told all their, they put out an album with nothing that was over playing no music and they had all their fans just listen to it when they slept on repeat. And uh, Spotify paid them so much money that they actually banned that from happening. Cause if someone could just do that or just like start playing it o- overnight, they can leave their phone. It's tricky, like you gotta know, like as soon as you start implementing something to 300 million people, people game systems, you know, especially when money is. Or- it's I'm not really worried about people gaming the system because if you really wanted to create things so they couldn't game it, it's it's really easy. We don't have to invent that technology. It already exists. You know, like Tesla cars, full self-driving, they know when you're not watching the road. So there's, I I mean, that's what I hate about this sort of thing. I create the potential big brotherness, but if you wanted to, you could. Because you're not a big tech guy at all. I mean, if you want to tell your backstory briefly, I don't know, like, you know, I haven't seen too many of your news appearances, but it seems a lot of people probably like, how is it free? What are you talking about? So I want to get like a little bit more backstory and future ideas, how you got to free. Um, you told Kenzie and I yesterday, I'll pretend like I don't know it. Yeah. Um, I used to be a personal trainer and I owned a gym for athletes in Los Angeles. And some of those athletes were uh, big time professionals and I was really tired of training them. I was in my mid twenties. I did not feel like I was done pushing myself. And so I sold that business. I bought a 1985 Toyota RV. Um, and I traveled around America for roughly a year and a half and eventually ran out of gas money, went to South America for a while. And then I wanted to get paid to take people on adventures. I wanted to keep the vacation party going. I wanted to be like a Bear Grylls. And I was like, how the fuck am I gonna be a Bear Grylls? I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And so I enlisted in the army to go from civilian to Green Beret. Um, It was the hardest job that I could sign up for in the military because it was the, the medic one I was looking for was like three years of job training. And then I fractured my back and neck at airborne school, pushed through that injury, and then broke my leg at the beginning of the Special Forces training course. Um, Went in for my broken leg. They're like, is anything else wrong with you? I'm like, can you please check out my back and neck? And they're just like, okay, you're fucked. Um, 
you Still can't today? do this anymore. Yeah, I don't know. That always hurts. Brutal. And That's how so, um, Jimi Hendrix got out of the military. Is he uh, broke his ankle par- with, like oh. parachute training or something? It happens. I mean, <laughs> if you jump out of a plane, eventually you got to hit the ground. Yeah. And if you're like me, it's a hard landing. There's something called a PLF parachute landing fall. You're supposed to tuck softly do this little tuck and roll thing. <laughs> and I pretty much belly flopped every time. Oh, right. And so um, when I got out of the military, I tried to go back to managing my old gym business that I had gotten rid of. I just didn't have the love for it. So I sold everything to do a trip around the world. And my goal was 100 countries in four years. And um, on that trip around the world, I learned a lot, but I realized I hate taxi drivers because it doesn't matter what country you're in. As soon as they realize you're not from around there, they always screw you over on the meter. So Uber was a new thing internationally at that time. I was taking Uber whenever I could. But when you're in like the Middle East or in Africa or wherever, and you're taking like the imitation Uber, it seemed worse than just the taxis. Uh, Final straw, I was on my way to Siget, which is the biggest music festival in Hungary. Like half a million people were going that year. And my Uber driver pulled over, put a knife to my throat and tried to rob me. Tried? I got out of it. Just basically talked a lot of shit to him and he let me go. I was like, what are you going to do? I use the Uber app. Mm-hmm. You're on the app. Are you going to hurt me? You're going to go to jail. And yeah. he just let me go. That's and talk so, a lot of shit. That's, ra- that's rationalizing. I mean, if that was, that's like the short version. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, um, and so I walked the last like couple miles to the music festival and I was so mad. I, I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Fuck Uber, fuck taxis. I'm going to put them all out of business by opening the world's first free taxi service called Free Taxi. Elon Musk will create autonomous vehicles for me. I'll utilize that to make transportation free. So I was traveling the world. I was doing that for two or three hours a day, just kind of figuring that out. So this all started with revenge. Revenge. It it did. It started with revenge against taxis and Uber. Specifically one taxi driver. (laughs) Well, there was other stories too. I'll ruin the entire ecosystem around how you make your living. And so, yeah, I was, I was furious. Don't cross you. And, and then like a few weeks later, I actually created processes that would make transport free. And then I realized that's not good enough because then Uber could just copy in a second. Toyota could. And then at the time, not knowing what I know now, I just knew vaguely that none of these companies run very lean. And so I was like, I got to figure out a way to go negative. Um, I got to figure out a way to make this so profitable and efficient that I could pay the passenger to take a ride in a free vehicle. A couple months later, I'd solve that too. Um, then I was randomly in uh, Italy. In the first five minutes, I was really moved by the story of these two Nigerian refugees. And I felt really guilty for being on this trip around the world. I was like, I'm going to cancel this trip around the world and volunteer. Went to Eastern Europe, made a nonprofit called Save the Refugees. That's how I met my wife while volunteering. She was a volunteer too. And we helped more than 10,000 people in about 18 months. And speaking to everyone we could, uh, we realized 80% of them left their country because the United States bombed their house to the ground. And then 20% because they didn't have water or food. And that made me feel really good about the taxi project. Because it's like, if I'm paying people to take a ride in an electric car, maybe that could prevent wars. A lot of our wars are over oil. Um, But speaking to these refugees, I was like, wow, food, water, and medicine is a big deal. I'm just going to do that later. Um, Then my wife and I got married, kind of stopped working on the project. We were semi-retired living on the beach in Montenegro. And um, one day I was like, I'm going to have a beer and see if I could um, just kind of refine everything a lot better. And then a few hours later, I realized I can make everything that's currently sold at a Costco, not just free, but negatively priced. Computers, cars, Ubers, clothing, pizza, your Costco membership, whatever. And so uh, Ivana, my wife, was really understanding. We moved from the beach back to her country in Belgrade, Serbia. I taught myself a lot of stuff about software. I mean, I didn't even know how to type at the time, so I was starting at zero. Yeah. And then eventually when I felt ready, um, move, well, I was filming a commercial for Free Taxi in New York City. And I was that annoying guy on the streets in Times Square, the streets of Boston, UCLA on the West Coast, Venice Beach, Doing USC. A fake accent. Were you getting offensive? No, with no, or? just asking people what they thought about free transportation. Mm-hmm. And the camera guy needed some water. So I go into a 7 Eleven in New York City. And then there I see some boxes of boxed water is better. Have you ever read Boxed Water is Better? Mm-hmm. 
They have a really ugly logo. It's like, just says boxed water is better, all huge. I was staring at the box. I was remembering all those refugees telling me they didn't have food or water. I was remembering the missing people on the milk cartons back in the day. <laughs> and then I kind of clicked. I was like, wait a minute. We've always had the ability to print photogenic imaging on packaging, even like 40 years ago. Has to be better now. But now everybody has a computer in their pocket with a built-in QR code reader and NFC chip, you know, scanner that could bring anything to life. So I went home, I told my mom, and she was like, listen, free taxi is an amazing idea, but no one's gonna give you a car company. You're no Elon Musk, we're not rich, you haven't sold any businesses for hundreds of millions of dollars. Classic mom, the most supportive um, people in the world. She was like, if you if you make transportation, autonomous transportation free for the whole world, how many lives would you save a year? I was like 1.4 million. She's like, what if you make water, food, and medicine free? And it took like weeks and I realized 30 to 40 million. And so she was like, look, just um, make food and water free first. If you can't make a bag of potatoes free, you can't make a self-driving car free. But after you make a bag of potatoes free, maybe people will listen to you on these other things. So I made the pivot and uh, years later, here we are. Yeah. Is there anything you can't make free? Like free Bitcoin wouldn't make sense. You watch ads and you get paid in Satoshis or something. Or like, no, is it, that's easy. I is mean, it, instead of cash, you just get paid in Bitcoin. So um, uh, what you couldn't make free is anything that you couldn't finance within a $40,000 a year salary. And so if you were using our future platform on the AVRE at 21 bucks an hour full time, just 40 hours a week, you would make 40 grand a year. So in some states you could finance a home and some places you could obviously finance a Maybe a used Ferrari, but a million dollar Bugatti is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Everything else that, you know, is within that 40K a year, you could totally do it. Yeah, we kind of got into this conversation yesterday about like, the socialism, capitalism fall, and then you said the gig economy fall on the spectrum. Um, and what I'd also kind of posit with that is, do you think that this new economy kind of those people wouldn't necessarily be productive they're not creating new things for society or they're not making houses cheaper by starting like building more houses or like they're almost consuming like would they would it help society if what if an entire country did that? i mean uh chile they all play runescape and sell the gold to people in the u.s mm -hmm. so it's like that's not an economy that long-term helps but do you so, think it's like a, a bridge gap to help people in the meantime so a lot of people don't understand that um, capitalism and the sharing economy are two different systems. Uber and Airbnb is in the sharing economy, gig economy, whatever you want to call it. By definition, it's not capitalism. It's their close cousin, but it is not the same. Um, by 2050, the sharing economy is already on pace to pass capitalism. And um, so typically, like if you put, if a, if a capitalistic company and a sharing company, uh, company like do battle, sharing, sharing economy wins, like hotels versus Airbnb. You know, that hotel room at Hilton could be listed on Airbnb, so it could be listed on the platform, mm -hmm. but it's not vice versa or Uber versus the taxis or, and so, but if you could choose between the free Uber and the one that you have to pay for, as long as quality is there, the same, you're going to go with the free one most likely. And then if you could choose between the free Uber that's going to pay you to take a ride, so the negatively priced Uber mm -hmm. versus the free one, I'm going to go with the negative one. And so if you think about it, capitalism, sharing economy, free economy, like zero, negative, we're actually three steps ahead of capitalism. And every one of these steps has technical advantages that you can't do in the one before it. Mm. And so there's a whole new set of rules that apply to negatively priced goods. And you can't do it if it, something costs money. And so it's a huge advantage, um, which will be utilizing and it obviously comes with its own like troubles in the sense that no one else has done it yet is there a reason have you like looked around and been like why haven't all these other i mean you mentioned yesterday facebook and google have done the no the middle ground you know? i mean technically facebook is negatively priced it's free mm -hmm. you know they'll suck all of your data and whatnot but they donate so little money to charity that people don't look at as negatively priced versus um same thing with google but now there's like a there's an app or there's a search engine from Germany called Ecosia. It's it's Google competitor. I wouldn't call them a competitor. I never typically find what I'm looking for there. But it's obviously it's free. It's a search engine. But I think 70 or 80 percent of their revenue goes towards planting trees. So when I think of them, I'm like, OK, that's negative 170 percent off. It's totally it's negative. Like you look at it, it's a negative. Um, and so with video games, too, at first you had to pay to play video games. Then they were free. Now you could get paid to play video games. So in the software world, there are they've been going negative for a while. 
it just hasn't hit the physical world yet. Mm. And so people ask all the time, like, why hasn't Coca-Cola done this? And what I tell them is it's really counterintuitive because when you make a company, people tend to use their real estate to market themselves. But it's odd to think if you help your biggest competitor, you make more money. So if you ask Coca-Cola, would you let Pepsi advertise on the can? They'd probably say, fuck no. But they would 100% their revenue. So what's wrong with that? And so, and then also Coca-Cola's had their logo on the can for 130 years. They're going to be really insecure about taking the logo off the can. Um, Especially but, if Pepsi's paying for it, and then they use that extra revenue to put their logo on the Pepsi but, can. That'd be but really confusing. I'm not as a saying store. that. Well, I'm not saying that you have to take it all the way off. Like you could have a border, or you could have this area over here. But like, do you really? I haven't had a Coke in a long time. But sure. do you really need it to say Coke on the can to know what a Coca-Cola tastes like? Do you need it to say McDonald's on the wrapper to know what a Big Mac tastes like? Do you? A lot of these products. If competitors were allowed to buy, it would be a confusing world. Imagine you go to the store and it says Coca-Cola really small, Pepsi really big. You look in the next shelf, Pepsi really small, Coca-Cola really big. But that's the beauty with this new marketplace is by helping your biggest competitor, that's the fastest way to scale. And so it's a different, you know, a lot of people in capitalism would say they wouldn't, they wouldn't piss on their competitor if they're on fire to help them. And so it's a little bit different. Um, and so, as we mentioned last night, like if you think about like the number line from high school, you've got negative 10, zero, positive 10. Mm-hmm. Socialism, capitalism, the sharing economy all represents products that cost money. A loaf of bread's a buck, three bucks, five bucks. Whether it's in socialism, it costs money, sharing economy, capitalism, it costs money. But anything from negative one penny over here, it's a completely different set of rules and, and a different mindset because if you want to make a negatively priced product that's profitable, whether you're solely software like Ecosia or not, you got to look at your business model in the mirror and be like, how the fuck am I going to make money distributing a negatively priced product or service? And you're like, well, to start, I'm going to get rid of everything that doesn't need to be there. And so you start throwing shit away. And then you realize like, why was this there to begin with? I, I still don't know. And eventually you get it down to the bare bones. And you're like, okay, well, it's, it's efficient now. It's not profitable. But then you bring revenue streams out of left field, like advertising, commission, subscription, date, whatever. And then now all of a sudden you can make, in many cases, more money in this negative world than you could selling it. And other opportunities like new ways to manufacture and distribute come up. Yeah. Do you get a lot of very ignorant people say, like, if it's not socialism or capitalism, it's free. Is that communism? Like, do you get... People call me a communist all the time. <laughs> and a lot of Gen Z love communism in their own way. So you play and it up so- to some people. I explain it's different. Um, you know, uh, we so we call this the giving economy. We've coined that um, uh, the giving economy. So you've got uh, socialism, capitalism, sharing economy, free economy, like exactly zero. Giving economy, I make money in the negatively priced zone. But then there's one more beyond that uh, we call everybody's economy, which means you make money in the negatively priced zone without advertising and data. And so that's where we will take it. And so really, uh, I would call this less than version 1.0. I would call this version 0.001. Wow. And the whole giving economy is based on the book, The Giving Tree. That's like the Bible. of the- <laughs> No, no. I mean, um, I just, I mean, you are giving stuff away. Yeah. So it's, it's different. I guess. Um, so I, maybe I have a misconstrued uh, understanding of like what socialism, capitalism, communism, and like capitalism would be like, dollar is a voucher of your time and energy you did something for society you worked eight hours you get it that you get to spend on something else that other people work for it's like a a use of that so it still seems like the like the you know negatively priced in the united states capitalism we say we don't have a lot of socialism but a lot of the best jobs Mm -hmm. that have pensions and health benefits are all socialized like police firemen so you know politicians you know they're all very socialized. Those are the best jobs. I mean, well, in terms of like getting benefits and uh, pensions and you don't find many jobs with pensions nowadays, mm-hmm. but then you have the sharing economy, the Ubers, Airbnbs, and you have capitalism, the Walmarts, the Arkhamotos, the, um, so you do get that nice blend here. If you ask someone who doesn't look at the economic definition of these systems, um, they would basically define capitalism as one person or one company getting rich off of a whole bunch of other people having to stay poor. Then you have the economic definitions, which are different. Mm. Um, and so it really depends on which, I guess, playbook you go for. Yeah, it's a good way. What I, 
everything to the right side of zero that costs money, they all have one thing in common, whether it's socialism, capital, or their sharing economy, they have an extremely low level of efficiency. Extremely low. I'm curious how many people at your company. First, I would like to say like to the, I guess, retort against the people who are like, oh, capitalism is bad because it's one person or company getting rich. Like the person or company who learns how to build a ton of houses is doing them at scale, which means it's for a much lower cost, allowing people, average people to buy houses for cheaper than if no one was doing, or is government subsidized where they jack up the price a crazy amount. Like capitalism can, like the more, it's a, what a positive uh, sum game rather than a. Zero sum, they, yeah. they say in capitalism, it's a zero sum game. One they winner, one, one winner, one loser. They also say in capitalism, we vote with our dollars. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. I learned that in elementary school, like a long time ago, but it's not true because the only way you'd have an honest vote is if you had a lot of money. And and so that I guess that kind of segues into these new data points. And so free and negatively priced goods create something that we call honest data. And all the data that made the Google, Facebooks, and Amazons rich is not that. And I'll give you an example. Like, what's your favorite fruit? Apple. Watermelon. What's like your 10th favorite fruit? You'll <sighs> Jackfruit. Okay. I don't even pretty, have a pretty time exotic. To, pretty exotic. So let's say you go to the supermarket and you really want to buy apples or whatever, and you see them. They look great, but they're kind of expensive. Then you go and you look and you see kiwis, jackfruit. Jackfruit's probably pretty expensive, but you see something that's cheap, and it looks good. You're like, oh, I really want that, but it's too expensive. This one's more in line with my budget. I'll get this bushel of bananas, and then you scan it. Boop. And then that data is collected, monetized, and sold. And it says, Tiger loves bananas. Because why else would he choose bananas over all of that? For me, bananas is, is like my number 10. Yeah. But the truth is, you really wanted that whatever kind of apple, right? Your favorite apple. Now, what happens in the future when we launch all those products for free? They all have the same exact point value, which is zero. Are you ever going to get that jackfruit? You're just going to get exactly what you want every single time. And so you are so fucking tired of that. You're like, I'm going to sneak in this mango or that jackfruit. But that honest data that really reflects what you want and need could then be utilized to make precise amounts of what needs to be manufactured versus today in the United States. For example, we throw away $170 billion of food in the trash every year. And how many more shoes and quick... Uh, I mean, that's just the things. food. That's yeah, not yeah, even that's everything else. Heartbreaking. And so uh, we call that honest data. So BVRE, um, the free products with the ads on it, will produce that honest data. Then with the AVRE, if you're at 20 bucks an hour, 21 bucks an hour, if you're participating your time, we, that's like beyond honest data. And so like maybe you really want to buy that new iPhone but you can't afford it. So then you go with a cheaper Samsung. Maybe you can't afford that one. So maybe you go with the Motorola or the whatever, right? Um, and so maybe you had 300 bucks. So you go and make, you know, spend your time collecting value. And now you go get that iPhone, you know, next one, 14 Pro Max. You literally did the work to get that new phone. That is beyond honest data, right? Because yeah. you actually put in the time to go get that. Do you watch ads? Kenzie and I, ever since we became ad people, we actually, well, I screen record the, probably half or more of the ads I see. Every car company ad, I screen record it, put it in a folder. I mean, you you do the marketing for Arkhamoto, so you probably should. Um, you guys like ads more than most people. 90% um, of people go with free YouTube and free Spotify. Hmm. And 10% go for the paid for it. And so... Uh, in the future, whether it's five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, uh, we believe that supermarkets, fast food, everything across the, the board in the United States here will be 90% free, 10% as it is today. People are like, no, I'm not going to deal with the ads. I'm going to just pay for shit. And you'll see as the baby boomers also They're pass away. They're going to pay for shit by watching the ads. No, no, no. Just system? like... Uh, I'll use McDonald's as an example. 90% um, of people will go for the free McDonald's and free McDonald's will make McDonald's a lot more money because there won't be speaking anymore. No placing orders, no payment. It's free. People will go through the drive through that much faster. They'll be able to collect all these data points that they can't publicly solve today that are only solvable with free or negatively priced goods. And 10% will just do it as it is today. Go pay for that Big Mac value meal. I'll say what you're what you're saying is really hitting a nerve for me, and I'm sure Kenzie's off air. Um, but because as we're making ads, we're like, 
you know, everyone, all the data that we get is pretty much wrong. And then the way that they track it's even pretty much wrong. And it's like, you don't know if they're actually like so many levels of it's like, if I have an approximate thing and I multiply it by another approximate number, it's like what you have is literally worthless data because it's two approximations. So it is, it's, it is people. Yeah. I mean, when we, okay. So free vending machine 1.0, we already kind of discussed that. Let's talk about free vending machine version 10.0. When there's a free vending machine on every corner in America, what we're going to do is we're going to combine the vending machine with the label applicator and also printing machines for these sort of packages. And so let's say uh, you, myself and Kenzie are in streets of Austin, New York city, wherever we take out the phone, hit the free water app. We all order a free water. It will give us the reverse Uber experience, which means with Uber, the car comes to you and it's gonna just say walked around this corner to this vending machine. So we walk around the block, we get to the vending machine, all three of us scan it. All of our beverages will look exactly different. It will be individually printed for your wants, needs, and desires, not just with the QR code being individualized, everything. And so when you think about that in real time, you'll have advertisers bidding on different vending machines across the United States. Uh, we believe that the vending machine in Flint, Michigan and very impoverished areas will still get us a buck per beverage. We're extremely profitable still, but that vending machine in Times Square in New York City, especially on like New Year's Eve, it might get us 10 to 20 bucks because I was in New York City like six months ago. I paid $14 for a bottle of water in Manhattan. Wow. And so packs of cigarettes are that much at like 26 bucks or whatever in New York City. So um, so people will be bidding on that in real time. So similar to Facebook and Google ads, but different because the main problem with Facebook and Google ads or Instagram ads, TikTok ads, they try to fit you in a box. And what I mean by that, you and you guys do a lot of marketing. So it'll say, do you want to sell a product? Do you want more followers? Do you want this? They give you like four choices. What happens if you don't want one of those four choices? There's not even a next option. And then you post an ad. It doesn't tell you if your ad sucks or not because they just want to take your money. And so we're going to build a very sophisticated system that will eventually evolve to the point where it's like, I post a video and it's going to say, Hey, guess what, Josh, we wouldn't recommend you post that video because it's not 4k. The composition sucks. There's no clear call to action in there. Like, what are you selling? What are you doing? There's no value proposition. We currently rate it like a 5.2 out of 10. But if you make these corrections, like use 4k, put everything in a better composition, shorter, more direct to the point, call to action. Maybe it could be like an 8.4. And maybe you X out of that and a pop-up ad's gonna come. We really don't recommend that you deploy this ad. And you X out of it and you deploy it anyways, it's on you. Yeah. But the only way to have advertisements be more meaningful is a system that tells the advertiser their ad sucks. And you do not get that with the Facebooks, Instagrams, YouTubes, Googles. And so, and also they, again, they fit you in that box. So with us, we're going to have it also automated to the point where you're going to have a lot more options instead of like four or five, there's going to be 10 or 20. And if you can't fit in there, you're going to be able to write <clears throat> as like a half page and tell us exactly what you need. So then we could customize it just to you because every business has its own unique pain points. Yeah. You can't just fit every entrepreneur in this stupid little box. Yeah. Could you be like, I'm trying to hit um, people with a net worth of over 100 million within Austin and just show your ads to Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, and Matthew McConaughey? Like, I mean, that's an interesting- Or maybe you just want something different than followers or selling a t-shirt yeah. or those three or four choices they typically give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't even have recruiting. Like you're like trying to show the ads to get people to work at your company or anything. I mean, it's, they really boil it down to a couple of things. And so the future is giving people more freedom, a, a holistic individualized approach mm -hmm. for every advertiser. And so again, what bridges that gap for us is the vending machines. The, it, it takes a product that's already profitable, puts it into a machine, adds more layers of revenue. And that system of rewarding people for their time is how you make every other product free within, not the Bugatti, but everything else. Yeah. And so the beauty is, even if uh, McDonald's doesn't want to be negatively priced, if Costco doesn't want to be negatively priced, if Apple were making it that way anyways and they can't stop us, the only way to stop us would be to stop accepting electronic payment, mm. which they're not going to do. And so eventually they're going to get so pissed off, like who's this company making our products free and making money off of us? We're going to have to go free ourselves. Mm. So it's kind of like, this is a big social experiment. I thought, how can you get the biggest companies to give money to charity they don't want to give. And what I realized is you have to have a better product 
that's negatively priced because the only way to go negative is to pay you or pay charity. Mm. And so we are, we're already 110, 115% off um, when we build out these new infrastructures then you're gonna get free local delivery. And the final frontier is we're gonna pay you to consume these. So we, we're like double dog daring anyone to try to compete with us yeah. because we will always have the most negatively priced products. And now when you think about how disruptive that is, if you could choose, I mean, most people are gonna go with the, you know, so even if our margin is smaller on some products mm -hmm. versus selling it, I'm always gonna get the free mango that pays me to eat it versus the one that's gonna cost me $3.99 a pound. As long as they're equal mangoes. Yeah. Uh, your mom said, don't focus on free medicine, or like that was one of your things. And as we're getting into this, do you think, uh, I recall last night you were a big fan of Europe and those places because they can't advertise pharmaceuticals. Uh, but if you can get medicine through this kind of free negatively priced, uh, is it a way? So if all, yeah, these, should all, all these things, well, what I like about Europe is I like the colleges included, um, healthcare is included. That I like that, um, but in this country we don't have free college, we don't have free healthcare. Um, my mom's last words to the paramedics before she passed away was, "Please don't take me to the ER because I can't afford my hospital bills," and that really broke my heart because I already solved ways to make all these things free and negatively priced. That kind of it really broke me down because I just didn't accomplish it fast enough. But imagine all the other people that face this every single day. And so my mom had really bad vision. At one point, she had to choose one eye over the other because insurance would not cover LASIK for both eyes. And Americans deal with that shit all the time. And so it's like, me, if I had to choose one eye over the other, I wouldn't mind participating at $21 an hour to yeah. see out of both eyes. Absolutely. I have a big question. I'm going to have to find the screenshot of the news article to read it because I was always obviously very pro universal health care until I read just one thing that kind of threw a chink in that and I would love to hear it um, kind of fixed. But while I kind of briefly, it should be from a couple of days ago, can you explain just how pharmaceutical companies would play into this is in terms of could you get your required pharmacy like your insulin by watching ads, but can pharmaceutical so companies advertise? What Apple will not tell you today is they're tracking everything you do through that Apple Watch. Apple knows that you have cancer before you'll ever find out that you have cancer. It's against the law. That's the la final frontier with privacy on consumers is the medical stuff, right? And so today, if you go to the hospital and they give you a pill or something, they can't collect any data, right? And so you pay for that medicine. If you're not hooked up to the machine in the ER, they're not collecting any data. They don't know how you're feeling. And so the future is to give them that direct feedback. I give you that drug. And now in the app, you are giving me direct feedback. Like, how do I feel? Am I mentally there? What else is going on in your life? Are you working out? Are you eating healthy? Like, how's your social life? How's your job? All the data that pharmaceutical, big pharma should get, they don't get. And we're so that's- We're good at self-assessing though. But, but you that's- But you have to make it easy. Yeah. And so when, a system that gives the pharmaceutical companies all the data that they don't have today is, is far more valuable than the drug itself, helps them to make better drugs, refine it, refine it, refine it. And so you will see it paired with the Apple Watch in the future, they're the equivalent, or, or wearables on your head because everything's going smart glasses. So you'll get that vital connection, you'll get that app feedback, they'll get all that data that they can't get and, and you will have for free pharmaceuticals, but that will be the last industry to go free that way but you could also make it free in the AVRE platform. Just, oh, I need 50 bucks to buy this yeah. whatever drug, two and a half hours of With my time. With all that data, it'd be funny if it sense like, oh, this person's a hypochondriac, and like at one point it gives it uh, you know, a placebo. It's like, that works really well. And it's like, it just actually gives people stuff with zero side effects, because all sugar fills for anything that isn't legitimately a problem. Like that I mean, could be really- It will make double blind tests that much or triple blind tests that much stronger, yeah. because you need these extra data points that they're currently not collecting. All right, so you ready for this? I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. I don't, it seems pretty legitimate as much as I could look it up. Um, so a news article. After assisted suicide was legalized in Canada, many <laughs> severely ill patients have found themselves effectively forced into quote unquote voluntary euthanasia by healthcare costs or even hospitals just refusing to treat them. Euthanasia is now the sixth leading cause of death in Canada. I was like, that's, I don't really know how to I know fit that in I know in Switzerland you can, you could pay to, 
have, you know, basically suicide yourself at the hospital. Switzerland's capitalist. Um, yeah, right. I mean, ca- well, capital, they're, every, they're capital socialism, which means it's capitalist, but certain things come included with mm-hmm. your taxes. The, the thing that, that we pay more taxes here in America. Yeah. If you hear the politicians, they say we pay the least amount of taxes. But in those countries, when you buy a product, it's the out-the-door price. You don't pay tax on top of the products. You don't pay tax at the restaurants. You don't pay tax on these things. And so if you add up all the things that we do pay for in the U.S., taxes, plus school, plus health, I mean, we pay more yeah. in the end. Um, I, I have some Canadian friends. They say they like the healthcare system better here because it takes them a long time to get the stuff done in Canada. I also had a late uncle who would disagree. I just think you should have both. Like you should have the free option. It might take longer, but you should also have the option to pay. And that's how it is in Europe. If you want immediate gratification, you could go pay for that private doctor. Because that's what Canada doesn't have. Like doctors can't accept personal payments. Is that No, correct? they have private doctors. They do. Okay. So if you don't want to use the government thing, mm. you could pay. There's always that option cool. in those countries. That's good to know. Yeah, it's just this interesting... Like, the more I kind of start delving into it, because it's, uh, you know, the young people are big fans of communism. Obviously, that's probably not a great idea. But the more that people start to talk about like these just like name tag really sounds good. And then you delve into them, you're like, that's pretty tricky. You know, I mean, either way you go with a lot of big decisions, especially life or death. You're like, it's I mean, definition of communism, communism means everyone gets a fair cut. And so true communism never happened because the pigs got, you know, pigs got greedy. And so there's always the politicians making more than everyone else. So what we consider to be communism in America is just a dictatorship. But whether it's capitalism, socialism, communism, a dictatorship is a dictatorship. I don't think that's good. But communism could never really get a fair shot because it's a quality of outcome, not if you, a quality if you, of If you hear a lot of blockchain people um, that are into it, they preach that a, a blockchain open source type of communism where everything was in an open source blockchain ledger, so fully transparent, could have a new opportunity to make it possible mm-hmm. I, I i'm neutral to it i'm open to that but without any sort of interaction like a new technology allowed it's pretty much like whoever's in charge says oh well, i mean human nature gets, people yeah, get greedy kind right? of disallows that people get greedy happening. so i i put that still in that positive like i put it over here it's it, extreme efficiency in the negative world not extreme efficiency over here yeah. So how big is your crew right now? What What is kind of coming down your pipeline in terms of funding, raising stuff? Because you're hyper-efficient. You've grown quite a bit in five years, you know? Well, it took me two and a half years to invent everything. And then it took me another year and a half or so to bring it to market. Pandemic slowed things down. Um, so in the last year, uh, we've raised $275,000. Our current valuation is $10 million. We have 10 people on the team right now, but I'm also onboarding three new people this week. And so with startups, it's hard to, when everyone's working for a slice of the pie and you're not paying a salary, mm. it's, it's hard to find really good help. But uh, because it is a save the world sort of project, I'll, I mean, we have half a million followers across all social media networks. We have almost like a decentralized international team of people that help us. They're just like, hey, I made you a free commercial. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, there's an investor I know you should talk to. Hey, it's a really special time you know must be surreal seeing how it's come out coming from two years of just uh you know coming up with the ideas and well it took me a really long time because i didn't want to do it unless i knew it was checkmate like i didn't want to do it in case i had an answer for everything um the hardest answers were um what will i do when coca-cola and pepsi and nestle one day cut us off of our packaging and they will um, and they'll try to use as a bargaining chip to probably buy us at a cheaper price. And it took me years to re- re- realize it. Um, but um, the answer is we're going to create the world's first 100% hemp packaging. And so if you if you check at the kilometers and mileage that Coca-Cola bottles travel the world before it's even filled, sometimes up to 10,000 miles before it gets into the consumer's hands. And so making being the world's first company to make this all out of hemp will be fully integrated, vertically integrated in a way no one else is. We, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll manufacture these for about a nickel a pop for as, as cheap as they could do a plastic bottle. And then the final one was, well, how do I make this government proof? Because the companies are going to be really mad that sell products 
and they're going to pull on the sleeve of their lobbyists and then they're going to go tell the politicians. And if you know anything about the way lobbyists have affected big tech recently, during the last like decade or so, lobbyists almost put Uber and Airbnb out of business. Um, the way that Hilton and Marriott fought back against Airbnb was in a lot of cities around the world, they passed laws that you can't rent your anything for less than a month that almost put Airbnb out of business. Yeah. But Airbnb is not a save the world company. People didn't care. Nobody grabbed their pitchforks and got pissed off when that law came into place. But what I realized is it already is lobby proof because every politician is going to want their ugly mug on the free groceries. You know, they spend billions and a lot of money every single year. And if any politician tries to close what will become the world's first free supermarket or negatively, they're never going to get reelected again. And we'll just say, hey, we're not going to let your party advertise anymore. And so, so it, you will let party like if Bloomberg he bought what, half billion dollars worth of it. Bloomberg, could he, we yeah yeah. So we we use that as an example all the time. Pol political parties reach out all the time mm -hmm. to kind of test the waters. What can we and can't we print? Mm -hmm. We say no fake news. We have a fake news policy for politicians. They'll be held liable for up to a million dollars in damages. Mm -hmm. But if Bloom Bloomberg spent eight hundred million on Facebook ads predominantly and lost, basically slandering people, or he could have spent that on free water. And he would have saved a million lives before even potentially taking office through our donations. Not saying he would have won, but what's more powerful? I'm going to slander you through Facebook ads or look, I've already saved a million lives and I haven't even gotten started yet. Imagine what I'm going to do when I take office. Him, no brainer, slammed button A. <laughs> and then there's kind of like this... Um, underlying psychological thing if, if an advertiser whether it's a politician or Nike gives you something for free you're psychologically indebted to them for life an example is like in the future when we have the free suite of groceries and you're having dinner with your family and all the foods free the beverages are free you're gonna be like holy shit a decade ago this meal would have cost us whatever who's responsible and then you look and you're like Nike hmm. that's really cool of Nike and then you go to buy a pair of tennis shoes like two months later are you going to get a pair of Adidas? I'm going to buy the pair of shoes of whatever brand took best care of me. And so that's why this is the best brand loyalty platform on earth. All the other advertising mediums, they attack you and they harass you into making a sale. Our audience comes to us. They ask us for a favor. Instead of annoying people, we make them happy. They're happy because they save money. They're happy that we won't use plastic. They're happy because every 150 waters we freely distribute saves a life. And from that happiness, you should be like Nike versus an annoying pop-up ad, an annoying YouTube commercial. Um, I'm maybe watching like a basketball game and always in the last three minutes or 10 minutes of every basketball game is 1 million commercials. I don't want that Nike commercial at the end of the basketball game or yeah. that's an inconvenience. Yeah. I want them to make me happy. And that's us. It's a pretty good way of thinking about it. I mean, did you ever see yourself becoming essentially uh, <clears throat> a modern day madman? Like a, the, but the, the designer of the next generation of mad. I mean, this is a new kind of advertising and a new kind of marketing, a new kind of. It's a new type of economy. Everything. Yeah. It's a big, big N high ideal. When thing. I was young, like, 13 I would have said yes because um uh so when I was a kid we had a lemon tree in front of our house I was that kid who always sold lemonade mm -hmm. and one day when I was 10 I thought I wonder what happened if I have a sign that says free lemonade because I wasn't selling much that day and all of a sudden the cars were lining up around the block mm -hmm. and I was running out of product and I didn't Wait, know you actually to, did this yeah I did this, this oh, when wow. I was 10 and so um uh, didn't know what to do. I was a really spoiled middle-class kid and I had an amazing baseball and basketball card and football card collection. So I ran into the house, grabbed all my cards, and when people came to get the free lemonade, I was like, here's a free lemonade, but you should check out all the shit I have for sale. And I brought, I made like 1700 bucks over the weekend. And then um, a few weeks later, I saw a, a show. Uh, remember the Steve Urkel show? It's called Family Matters. Eh, it's an old show. But in that episode, Urkel invented a time machine and the neighbors stole it. And then he invested in Microsoft and Disney and became the richest person on earth. And I remember thinking, wow, I've got all this cash and I just got this, uh, my first uh, Microsoft Windows computer with America Online version 1.0. Everyone in the world is gonna want a computer. So I annoyed the hell out of my parents for six months until they let me invest that money into Microsoft. And that was in 1995. And so by the time I was in the ninth grade, it was worth roughly 37000 Fast forward to today, now I have 27-year stock market experience. 
And so I always wanted to be that. Bill Gates was like my hero when I was a kid because he was that 14-year-old kid who ran Microsoft at 14. Then I had no like thoughts of ever wanting to do it. Um, I just love traveling and laying low. Only in this kind of save the world sort of me feeling very guilty to not pursue these things could I have taught myself the things that I had to learn and invent the things. Only in this like save millions of lives situation could I ever be here. It's pretty motivating. Are you good at shutting it off? Like, have you taken a vacation since you started this? Do you, are you good at going to sleep? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of stake mentally. I have not been traveling very much. And um, no, I literally wake up. I don't even shower anymore. I take a bath instead of a shower so I could work from the phone. Because you can't work from your phone while taking a shower. Because of the button? You can't tap it? Because it's waterproof, right? I, mean, I don't like getting my iPhone wet and oh, covered in soap. I know it is. Oh, okay. But then the case, I've got an OtterBox. The case gets like, and then they say it's waterproof. But when you get it in the speaker, it sounds funny until it dries out. Yeah. And so I usually wake up, can like, go straight to work. Um, and then I'll usually end the day between like midnight and three in the morning. And then it just seven days a week starts all over again. It's pretty wild. Um, I mean, I'm in a similar position in terms of I work and all, like it's just always kind of part of what I'm doing is at least thinking about mm -hmm. it. Even if I'm like at a grocery store, you're thinking about ads and like working and stuff. And I'm lucky in the sense that Kenzie and I work together, but it'd be really hard if we didn't because she's working her own thing. Because you have a lot to think about and talk about when you are thinking about a job all day. Like if she was uh, continued down the nursing path and we'd see each other the other day, I'd be like, want to talk about all these sudden parts of my day. She'd talk about hers. Um, have you found that like maintaining friends and like a relationship is like any more difficult when you have such a high important kind of emotional task that you're trying to convey to the world? Since I went down this startup, I guess, path, now I have startup friends. And so they're all doing their own startups. They're all founders. They're all whatever. So it's different set of friends, different, I guess, people to talk to. Yeah. And are you fr are you friends with any of your startup friends from Silicon Valley? Because you were in Palo Alto yeah, for yeah, a couple I months. Yeah, yeah, I still maintain friendship with a lot of those people. Um, so not like college friends or like I, high school friends. So people always ask, like at Capital Factory, the building that we're in, and a lot of these places, they always ask for what advice I could give them. And the number one piece of advice I tell any founder who's in the idea phase still is get the fuck out of America, go live on the beach in Thailand or in some live in some cheap country where you could extend your runway and not have any pressure on paying the bills and really map this out. If I when I was living in Eastern Europe, my rent was between 150 and 300 a month. Without it being so cheap, I didn't I couldn't have had a no pressure just invent sort of mindset. Um, I came to America too early. And so when you make mistakes in a, in a cheap country, mistakes are very cheap. If you make a mistake in America, it's tens of thousands of dollars. So I did make some mistakes when I came and it almost ruined me financially. Can you talk about any of those mistakes? Like, uh, um, know, just like, for with? example, editing a video in Eastern Europe, I could edit an amazing video for 200 bucks. And then I get to Silicon Valley and the same style video is 5,000 bucks. To like, pay someone to edit it? Uh, to pay someone to film, edit the whole, you know, do some little bit of graphics or whatever. And then that video comes out and it sucks. And then it's like, I just wasted 5K. And so, um, but it was really important because when I had designed all this stuff, initially I designed it for Europe, which is a, a, a pedestrian society. Mm -hmm. And so all the business models were based around people walking past you and accessing the free thing. Then when I came to America, I was in Silicon Valley. At first I was living in a Google house and a Facebook house and I was just bouncing around from house to house on Craigslist, slept in my car a lot. And I saw these people that only ordered food directly to their doorstep. And I understand the convenience, but I'm still that person that wants to buy my fruit and like see it, see the vegetable, but they were sending it straight there. And I realized, holy shit, in America, a lot of fat people, they don't walk. Um, I need to figure out a way to make free delivery because no one offers free delivery to Amazon. You pay for prime. Um, and so that was probably the hardest thing for me to invent how to give free delivery. And um, now that's actually our moat because people always say like, well, what's preventing Amazon or somebody from squashing like a bug? And I always say, number one, if somebody puts us out of business by opening a better free supermarket that pays the customer more, I could live with it. Save you a lot of psychic but time and energy. Number two, they all built their infrastructures incorrectly for a world where things cost money. 
And so when you make something for sale, you tend to build this mega factory, like an Amazon fulfillment center, a Budweiser factory, Coke factory, Fiji water, whatever. And you send things across, you ship things across a town, city, state, country, and the world. And the further you ship it, the worse it is for the environment and the more the consumer pays. But free products and negatively priced products enable, encourage a decentralized manufacturing model. So instead of making mega factories, you build micro factories. Um, and since the product's free or negatively priced, everybody's a customer. And so now you make a micro factory and you just, you they come and pick it up from you, so no shipping, or you just, in the local community, hundreds or thousands of homes in a row in the future. So extreme efficiency. Amazon could not sell product to 10 houses in a row if their life depended on it because they can't force you to buy something. Yeah. But the paper boy, the, the junk mail person, they go house to house to house to house. The trash collector goes house to house to house to house to house. Mm -hmm. And so in the future, this decentralized manufacturing model will allow us to deliver to one house after the other and will enable us to offer free local delivery but we save 800% of the current costs of last mile delivery. So us in the future, giving people free delivery saves us money. If Amazon and Walmart or whoever doesn't build out this new infrastructure, they're just gonna lose money trying to compete with us at free local delivery. So the beauty is it being open source and no one could patent it is, I'm expecting them to build out this new infrastructure or they will go out of business and that new infrastructure is extremely green. That's beautiful. I have two last questions and then we'll end it because I need to take a leak and we're almost an hour in. My two questions would be, uh, what do you think of death water? No, the liquid, liquid death. death. Because they, they ship it a long way. It's from Switzerland, Springland, yeah, yeah, somewhere Europe. like that. When I first gave one to Mark, he like, saw that and he's like, no, and he didn't open it. Um, and the other one is, uh, it almost seems like the trend seems to be going the opposite way. Uh, we got this blanket from Costco, which was, uh, what was it, Kenzie? Pendleton. And it's this high, high-end brand. Everyone thinks it was super high-end because it's made this wool straight in Oregon. Native American pattern straight from the, the heritage and all that. Um, and you look it up and a couple of years ago they sold it so they grow the wool in Oregon. They ship the wool to Chile or somewhere in South America. They put it together. They ship it back to Oregon. And I'm like, oh my. <coughs> I'm to the point where we're like, okay, we're never going to ever support this company. This is horrendous. Okay, well, first liquid death. Yeah. Um, supposedly the rumor is that the it was started as a joke. The, the, the founder just made a meme palette for like a birthday or something. And then people were like, this is awesome. So then he sold the rest of the palette and they took that money and bought two palettes and then sold that, bought four. Now it's liquid death. Um, they're brilliant at marketing. In terms of beverage companies, social media following in the United States, Red Bull's number one because they host all the extreme events. Then it's liquid death. We're number three. And I believe we'll pass both of them in the next 36 months simply because our products are free. And we have ways to offer their products for free through the AVR process as we build that out. And we'll even have their products in our vending machines for free, whether they want them to be free or not. Now, them shipping it across the world, I really respect the brand in terms of marketing. They, they change the game with the marketing and social media thing, um, hands down. But the future is free and the future is local. And so, um, I'll give you an example with a cup of, cup of coffee. Uh, everyone's had Starbucks before. So imagine just the basic Starbucks cup of coffee. If you dissect and analyze the packaging and what's in the coffee, it might have traveled five to 10,000 miles to get there. Because number one, the lid's made out of plastic, so that oil came from Saudi Arabia. Then it got sent on a tanker and it was shipped to China because they're the largest makers of plastic beads in the world. Those beads are then used to smelt the bottle or whatever. Then those plastic beads probably got shipped to another location in the United States where Starbucks smelts it or the company that they use, right? And they turn it into a lid. Then you look at the, the paper cup, right? Um, and a lot of times that tree is cut down in North America, but then when you analyze a lot of these big company supply chains, oftentimes the printing gets done in Saudi Arabia or Amsterdam. So then that tree gets cut down over there yeah. and then it goes to the mill, then it goes to like Saudi Arabia or Amsterdam, and then the ink is from China, so who, you know, but you got to check out the mileage on that. Then it comes all the way back. So that's just the lid in the cup. Then you've got the beans in the coffee. It came from Central or South America, right? And then you got the milk, and the milk came from Wisconsin or, or wherever, right? So just for that cup of coffee to be sold for three bucks, a lot of that combined mileage is five to 10,000 miles. And that's why we're destroying the planet at such a fast rate, because that's everything in your local supermarket. And 
it's not necessary with 3D printing, with vertical indoor farming. You could do everything at location A in a single city. And so same thing with your box of cereal at the supermarket. So a lot of these products, the mileage is 10,000 miles to sell the product for three bucks. And so what does that tell me? That tells me being fully vertically integrated in the future, doing it in every single city in the world, decentralized model. We, if you were selling it, you could probably sell that same product for a dollar and still have a higher margin. But now we're putting ads on it and not just ads, but when you scan that QR code, you can make purchases. We'll be charging 2% for all purchases. So let's say you, you buy that Toyota um, Tundra or that Tesla right off the packaging. Wouldn't be Tesla because they famously don't advertise, but uh, we'll charge 2% for that BMW off of the can that was already profitable or that cereal box. And now we make $1,000 in commission off of a cereal box that was already profitable at the negatively priced zone. And so the future is free and negatively priced, but it's local doing everything at location A. The manufacturing at location A, the give it away or pick it up at location A, and then no shipping versus that blanket you said yeah. circles the globe for no fucking reason. Or micro shipping, at least like pretty local. Uh, the last follow-up question that I have, and then obviously free space, and we can record another, and you'll be on Now You Know tomorrow, but uh, what do you think about, do people still get to pick where they live? Like, could someone live, I mean, there's people in the middle of the desert, people in Salt Lake City, like, there's all these places that don't really have water, don't really have, like, all the infrastructure to be local. Would would a local free future require people to live where? So the- if you live in the middle of nowhere and town population 700, we're probably not going to have a micro factory there one day. Or what and if so, it is a, a big population? Like, well, then it's it's different, but... It's still hard to sustain Water infrastructure, yeah. okay. We have a crumbling infrastructure. We were in Jackson, Mississippi two days ago giving out free water, and that's the next Flint, Michigan, that will be swept under the rug. They've had their tap water looked like chocolate milk for years, a lot of those people, and now there's a big flood, and they don't even have that. And so um, 200, what you don't hear in the news very often, is 200 plus million of us Americans all have PFAS in our tap water. You have it, I have it. Any, it, it's proven to cause blood cancer. It's got a thousand year old plus shelf life. There's many different chemicals that fall into the PFAS category. But, What's um, an example? Well, it first started being manufactured for Teflon, like the nonstick frying pans. But now it's in everything. It's even in that Starbucks coffee cup lid for no reason. Um, but what happened is at airports and military bases, they were using a lot of it as like a degreaser also like firefighting, put the fo- fire out with this foam and then you hose it down and then it goes down the drain and into the water table and you can't filter it. The US government does not know how to filter it out for all these people. It's proven to cause blood cancer. If you live in a town with an airport or a military base, which is most towns, you have this contamination. And so we it's, it's not just giving people free water or free groceries. It's really doing the government's job in the future, which they're not gonna do to get these things out of it and, and that's what's really fucked up. We live in a world where you go shop at Trader Joe's or Costco, every container, every it will all give you some form of cancer. My shirt, it's got plastic in here. I'm wearing a cancer shirt. You're deodorant, you're this. Being in the US, and, and that's why, you know, we use the aluminum bottle and paper cartons today because they were the greenest containers available to us today. But these are not up to our standards either long-term. And so that's why we got to make a new supply chain uh, for us, that will be hemp based, but that doesn't, that supply chain doesn't exist. So we have to, as a small startup, use what's available to us. We'll need 25 plus million to build out the starting of this new supply chain. And so it's just, um, it's a really tricky thing. I we, can imagine, you know, we, hey, I'm going to completely do the government's job, fix their economy, make everything free. And actually, uh, next uh, you save people in even other countries. It's, that's a big task um, and uh, I guess really wrap it up. So the next couple months or years, you're getting ready for your Kickstarter. Uh, you set a private valuation of 10 million currently. So right now we're launching a Kickstarter. Um, it will help to finance the first few free vending machines, whether it's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, whatever. Um, we'll do that. We're gonna continue to raise money. The next $500,000 in uh, 150 to 200 pays for our first two free vending machine prototypes. That's the mobile app, everything to access it but keeping that thing stocked. There's no data on how fast a free vending machine will be emptied, especially in a high populous areas. Is it gonna be emptied once a week, once a day, multiple times a day? Nobody wants a free vending machine if it's not working right or if it's empty. 
And so the first 150 to 200 will make sure that those are working 24 seven. These are also like the Tesla vending machines. We didn't want the first two to be like $2,000 vending machines. These are gonna be fancy 20K vending machines. Um, and then the next 300,000 in will cover the fees for us to go public. When you pay for that right now and you file it, it takes 18 months. And so we wanna get that clock started now. So we'll do the Kickstarter. We'll continue to grow our audience, which is already at half a million. Then we are gonna do the Reggae or Reggae Plus with Start Engine, most likely. And Reggae Plus, uh, Reggae allows us as a vehicle to fundraise, I believe, 30 million per year. And then Reggae Plus is 60 million. And so no company to my knowledge has gone to Start Engine and already had the going public date. Mm. And so we intend to go there, already have this date, let's say if it's September 1st, 2024 or whatever. And then it's like, hey, now is your opportunity to get involved in this um, new industry and new economy before we go public. And we believe we'll bring in enough money to pay for our first micro factories, which then allows us to manufacture goods at 50% of our current costs. And add a better and quality ingredients, hemp. Yeah, I mean, the ingredients can package- Can you make a hemp lid? Um, you, can, you can make every component of a SpaceX rocket ship out of that single plant. Really? Hemp has 90,000, or has a lot of industrial use cases. You can make it as strong as steel. You could make fuel out of it. Now, if you dig into the deepest, darkest corners of the internet, people claim you could make batteries out of hemp. Still, I don't know about I've that. I've heard the batteries out of hemp, but I couldn't imagine like rocket fuel out of hemp. Like, yeah, I mean, biofuel. Wow. And so... Maybe not as energy dense. No, 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 no. Just, really? Yeah. That's fascinating. And so it, it is the wonder plant. And so um, uh, it'll it'll be really big for us. But but yeah, so we'll, we'll basically... Uh, Kickstarter Indiegogo, um, file to go public, launch that Reggae or Reggae Plus, pays for us to get into manufacturing. First micro factory will allow us to manufacture 250 million of these a year for $10 million, including owning the building, the land, all the machines, dollar per face value. That brings in 250 million in revenue a year, not including the shopping or all of our other revenue streams. And then we do the reinvestment model. So that reinvestment model then that 250 million then makes the next 25 micro factories and other cities. And any way you calculate it within 20 years, we are a global decentralized company with larger economies of scale than Coke, Pepsi, or Nestle. And so it's, it's extremely profitable. It's extremely efficient. We could do things in this negative zone that no other company that sells stuff can be able to do. So it's really cool. We've got this pretty, Nothing ever works as smoothly as you envision as a founder, but we've got this, what I see, a pretty smooth ramp from where we are, A, to uh, raising the capital to get into manufacturing and basically go public and build more infrastructure. That's incredible. I appreciate you kind of coming on the show. I'm looking forward to seeing how your interview with the Now You Know folks go. If you hope they ask you one question, what are you hoping? Like, what direction do you hope they kind of bring you to that most uh, news and kind of questionnaires don't get you? I'm just a really big fan of their show. Um, in general. And if you look, if you ask my wife, she would say it's my number one show on YouTube because it's the show that I spend the most hours watching. I do like the Joe Rogan podcast with some of the guests as well. Um, so I, what I like about them is they're really, they really dive into the weeds in, in tech and they understand tech more than most. So I, I, I probably just shoot from the hip um, when I explain that our products are negatively priced and profitable. It's probably going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> and then Zach and Jesse will probably try to let me have it. My, my hope with that show is that they don't pull any punches. They ask, they try to poke as many holes in it as they can. So then I could kind of like walk them through everything step by step. And yeah, I really respect those guys. So I'm really interested to see uh, what they think and what they ask. And we'll see. I love it. Your beautiful city here, Austin, beautiful company. I, I cannot wait to see how the coming year, decade plus go. Uh, thank you very much for your time and uh, yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.